This morning, we are going to be in Philippians chapter 3, reading from verses 1 through 7. Um, as you open up your Bibles, I wanted to just share with you uh, Matthew, my son, you guys have been praying for, and I'm thankful for that, got his pick line out on Friday. And so that's a big deal for us. And uh, he's got a couple more weeks of antibiotics, and then, Lord willing, this whole thing is behind us. But through this journey as a father, it reminds me how important it is for us to press into our father, the one that gave us life, that gave us creation, that, that speaks truth through the Holy Spirit in our lives on a daily basis. I just want to encourage you guys, as you go out, God's looking for faithful, available, and teachable people to go out and be a change in our community. And as I teach at Light of Hope, I remind them that it's simply sometimes picking up trash. That's something nobody gets to see. You don't get no accolades for. You're just picking up a piece of trash. It's opening up a door for somebody, smiling for somebody. And the biggest, most powerful way is what you've been doing for my family and my son is through prayer. We have an opportunity to pray for one another and lift each other up and encourage each other in a way that changes lives. So I just encourage you with that. So this morning we're in chapter 3 of Philippians. Verse 1. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are of the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has a reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Will you join me in prayer? Father God, we just lift this word up this morning, Lord, that through your Holy Spirit, you will reveal all truth, that you will speak through our pastor, Jackie, that you've called up. And Lord, that you will just move in a mighty way this day amongst us all. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Oh, hon. You're so nice. Yeah, Father's Day. So, there's... It's... <laughs> It's Father's Day. There's been a Christmas miracle, too, in the last week. We, uh, I'm on day two Monster Free, so... I, hey! I, you guys should not be that excited about that. <laughs> I'm certainly not that excited about that. But, we'll see. Maybe, maybe I'll live a day or two longer. If I stop that. So... My lovely wife is providing water for the, the old man who hasn't had water in about 12 years, so it's good for me. Well, as we look at chapter 3 of Philippians, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of exciting. I don't, I, I, there's a, 
There's a section here I broke into two parts because I don't want us to miss a lot of the things that he's laying out for us in the, in the first half. But the basic deal is, as he comes to this section in chapter 3, there's four chapters. We're about four weeks from finishing up uh, Philippians. And as we look at it, he starts with this phrase, this word, finally. I know people get nervous whenever I say finally. That does not mean I'm ending. Finally just means... Uh, in this case, especially in the Bible, it means to summarize. So he said, I want, to, I want to really summarize what we've been talking about the first two chapters. This attitude of uh, learning to rejoice in Christ. And, and this, is a, this is really the theme throughout the book. Learning to find our joy in Him. And he's going to build on that idea as we take a look at, at verse 1. But he, he wants us to remember all the things that came before That it's all about laying aside our pride. You see, our pride becomes such a, a strength, has such a stranglehold on us because our pride gets in the way of all kind of things. And the funny thing is we won't recognize it. We don't notice it as pride. We, we think it's other people. We, we think it's something else somebody else did or something else somebody else said. But the reality is, at least in my life, whenever I find that, um, uh, often when my feelers have been hurt, what's really been hurt is my pride. My, and, and I think God allows those things in our life to, to help us recognize I, I have pride issues still. I don't know if you guys do. Maybe I'm just preaching to the mirror so you guys are all getting a part of it. But the problem is that, that I, I, I start to have ambitions for self, right? And, and he, the, the word told us in the first two chapters that we need to lay aside our selfish ambition and think about others. What does someone else need? Not what do I need in this moment? What, what can I do to bless or to honor somebody else? And, and so all of these things are ways, attitudes that we can begin to change the way we think and allow God to change our heart. If we change the way we think, God will change the way we feel. We often say things like, I don't feel like that. Well, you're right. You don't feel like that because you haven't changed your mind. Chapter 2, the Lord said through Paul, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We're supposed to have his mind. Think about things the way he thought about things. And that's the challenge for us as we come to lay hold of what he's given us in Philippians. How it is that I can find joy in the Lord. Despite our circumstances, despite the things that we're going through, the things that we're facing, we want to learn to have joy. So look what he says. He says, the first thing that we want to really focus in as we get the crux of Paul's message is our attitude. Look at it. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To summarize everything I've said so far, Rejoice in the Lord. Now this time the word rejoice is in is it an action. It, it would be like sing out to the Lord, praise the Lord, glorify the Lord. The idea of rejoice here is is not a feeling I feel, but an action that I take. That I rejoice in him. That I am telling him that I rejoice in him. That I would take this attitude on to myself. That I would rejoice in the Lord. I'm not rejoicing in my circumstances. Certainly don't rejoice in your possessions because they're here today and scratched tomorrow. Or gone or 
you know, any number of things, right? There's a lot of ways that we, that our positions, our possessions can let us down. And it, it doesn't say rejoice in your accomplishments. Because our accomplishments come and go. You're a hero for exactly, you know, a couple hours. It doesn't take very long to go from hero to zero. It takes a lot longer to go from zero to hero. But from hero to zero is not that far. If our, if our joy rejoicing is in my accomplishments, or in my possessions, or in my circumstances, I won't rejoice. Because those things are always changing. But you know who doesn't change? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Lord never changes. You know that the way that the Lord feels about you doesn't change? Even when we fail, even when we falter, even when we mess up, that, that the God who created the heavens and the earth loves you? That He wants to know you, and He wants you to know Him. And so these things, this is where... Our rejoicing is. So Paul is saying, look, it doesn't bother me to keep repeating myself because this is a big deal. It's a big deal because this is exactly the thing we forget all the time. This is exactly the thing we lose focus on. And we get wrapped up in all the other stuff, right? And all the other stuff has to happen. The point is that all those other things are not the ultimate end. They're subordinate ends. It's a subordinate end that I have accomplishments. It's a subordinate end that I have possessions. It's a subordinate end, all my circumstances. Because my ultimate end is with Jesus Christ. We just have to keep those priorities right. And that has a lot to do with our attitude, doesn't it? Our, my attitude totally flips if I do this. Absolutely, 100%. And it's not natural. It's not like I wake up in the morning and go, Oh, I got this all figured out. No. Never. Kathy, maybe. Jackie, never. So I have to remind myself, what am, what, Where's my joy? My joy is in the Lord. And all the other stuff, those are subordinate things. And we got to do what we got to do to take care of things we got to take care of. But then my ultimate end is Christ. And when I keep my focus on that... He's going to tell us later on in chapter 3, that's what's going to enable me to keep my path moving toward Him. Because there's been a lot of times in my life when my path would veer to the right or to the left. The Scripture in the Old Testament said, don't do that. Don't veer to the right hand. Don't veer to the left hand. Hold fast to the Word of God. Keep moving straight ahead. Paul tells us how to do that in chapter 3 of Philippians. Put our eyes on Christ. Move toward Him. Walk toward Him. I want to have the, this focus of joy, which is my mind stayed on Christ. Lots of things to worry about. Lots of things can take our focus, but my mind needs to stay on Christ. In fact, he's going to say that again in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, right? We know this verse. We've heard this one before. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, Rejoice. If you've been reading through Philippians, you know he has said that phrase a number of times. That's why he says, hey, for me to keep saying the same thing, it's not tedious for me. I want you guys to lay hold of it. And it's safe for you. It's good for you to keep reminding yourself. A mind stayed on Christ is a mind filled with joy. He goes on in verse 2. And he gives a warning. And for us, it's, it, it kind of 
It might miss some of uh might miss some of us. Look, it says, look out for dogs, look out for evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. So he's challenging us, all right? And first he says, here's your attitude. We want to have an attitude that's rejoicing in the Lord. Next he says, and watch out while you're hanging out. He says, watch out for dogs, evildoers, and mutilators. Now, I want you to understand that in their world and our world, dogs are different things. You guys know that? In the United States of America, and anywhere Middle Eastern, dogs are a different thing. A few years ago, when the Olympics came to Greece, I happened to be going on a Footsteps Through Paul tour, so we happened to be in Greece around the same time. And Greece has an inordinate amount of stray dogs. So it was not uncommon to go sit down on outside a outside cafe for lunch and see 50 stray dogs. And people would frequently feed them from their cafe table. So you have an idea of, of what the stray dogs might have been like. But the people of Greece were worried about how Westerners would think about the way they have all these uh, stray dogs around. So when the Olympics came, they came up with a great idea to make it look better. They, the idea was this. We'll buy collars for all the dogs. <laughs> so every one of the stray dogs has a collar on it. And I remember asking the guide, I'm like, are these dogs lost? Because they, they got collars. He said, oh, no. We put those on so Westerners would think they belong to somebody. But they're all just wild dogs. And when you go through the Middle East, a lot of times wild dogs for them are just scavengers. They, they live in the, in the dumps and the garbage heaps. And, and so for us who have a different relationship with dogs altogether, when we look at scripture that says, beware of dogs, we're thinking, well, what's the matter with my dogs? I like my dogs. But biblically, dogs was a term that they called for anything that was a scavenger outside of the camp, something that was not inside. You, you need to picture for yourself, um, just the idea of a mangy beast. And for them, it's really one of the worst things you could call someone. Now, Paul has a particular group in mind for these three warnings. They're not three different groups of people. They all refer back to the same group. There was a group of people who thought of themselves very holy, very righteous. So each one of these terms is a rhetorical device full of, of uh, um, bite that would really irk them if they were reading it. A lot of sarcasm in it, but the idea of being a dog was like, man, that was, that was pretty low. And there was this group of guys who really had been spending a lot of time dogging Paul. Everywhere Paul went, they followed. And the, the, they were what's called the Judaizers. And we'll talk a little bit more about them in a minute. But Judaizers basically wanted to Jewify Christianity. They wanted them to follow the Torah, get circumcised. That's why some of these points are going to come up. And as they would follow behind Paul, it was very enticing to believers. There's a reason. Two, actually. One, our flesh likes the accolades of just tell me what to do. And if I do this, I climb the ladder of righteousness. Hey, we like that. 
In fact, those things have permeated the church for the last 200 years. What you dress, how you look like, what you do or don't do, those things make you holy, right? And we start to lose track of the reality that it's a relationship with Christ. How close I am to Christ is what makes me holy. Not whether I smoke or whether I don't, or whether I drink or whether I don't, or whether I wear a tie or whether I don't, or whatever the other things we might have in our mind. Well, the Judaizers, they had this deal because the Roman Empire would kill... As soon as they found out that Christianity was a different sect than Judaism, they started to require Christians to do something the Jews didn't have to do. They required them to go to the altar of Caesar, take a pinch of incense, and declare, Kaiser est curios. Caesar is Lord. Now, Jews didn't have to do that. It was a deal they had with the Romans. They were tired of fighting with the Jews and their rebellions. So they weren't required. And as long as Christianity was the sect of Judaism, they got a pass. But as soon as they realized this is different, and the Jews really helped that occur, as soon as they realized that it was different, then immediately they started to bring Christians up, and Christians wouldn't do it. And because they wouldn't say it, they're being slaughtered. Now, enter a Judaizer in the church, and he enters in the church and says, Look, I can offer you a little bit more freedom if you will just get circumcised and obey the Torah. Then we'll Judaize you, we'll make you, we'll declare you Jewish, and you won't have to worry about having to stand up and say, Caesar is Lord. But you see, prior to that, you had to do something different. You had to go away from the sacrifice of Christ and into confidence in your flesh. So Paul uses these three terms to describe them. Look out for the dogs. These guys are are dogging me. They're full of bite. They're a problem. They're low life. They're not really righteous. They're not righteous. They're just saying, if you do this, you, you obey this. And when they're talking about the Torah, they're not talking about, uh, thou shalt not commit murder. They're talking about all of it. Everything that Christ fulfilled. Christ fulfilled the holiness code. They can't. But Christ did. And in fulfilling the holiness code, when I come to Christ and receive Him as my Lord and Savior, He makes me holy. He does. Not the holiness code. Not the, not the list of do's and don'ts the scripture lays out for us. Jesus Christ has become that for us. The second thing he calls them is evildoers. He says these guys are evildoers. Between dogs and mutilation, they're workers of evil. They're evil. They're wicked. They're filled with iniquity. Paul's saying, look, it's not, they're not righteous. They, they, they sell this righteous thing. But the emperor has no clothes. Here, wear this. Only the wise can see it. The difference is, they say, here, wear this. Only the righteous can see it. And all of it is still the same thing. It's, it's you doing something to make yourself righteous. And the point that Paul has been making in 13 epistles is that you can't make yourself righteous. Christ makes you righteous. And through that 
relationship with Him, now you're able to do righteous deeds. It's through Him. It's in His power. It's by His Spirit. No? So we want to have this righteousness on us. He says, watch out for the dogs. Watch out for evildoers. And then he does a play on words. Another one. He, he says, watch out for the katatome. The katatome. To be circumcised was peritome. Peritome is to cut around. Katatome is to mutilate. The mutilators. Paul, several places, in Galatians, he says, I wish they would mutilate themselves. Instead of bugging people everywhere I go. Paul says, everywhere I go, I, I find these people walking through. So he's telling them, look, I need you to watch out. I need you to be careful. I need you to look out for dogs, evildoers, and the mutilators of the flesh. And then listen to what he says. For we are the circumcision." Paul says to the Philippians, and by the way, Philippians are Gentiles. Right? You remember when he went to Philippi? There was not even a Jewish man. There was no synagogue in Philippi. Philippi is all Gentiles. They, the, 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 the Jewish women were meeting at the river. They would go to the river because you met somewhere where there was living water. If there was not enough Jewish men to build the synagogue, you met at the river. So Paul went down to the river, met Lydia, uh, shared the gospel. She gets saved. They open up church in her, in her room. Remember, Paul gets arrested. He gets beaten. He's in prison, in chains. You guys remember the story, right? Singing praises to the Lord at midnight, earthquake. He's, he's, his chains are off and all the prisoners make a prison break and run to where Paul is. Why? Because in the middle of all that dark and all that pain and all that misery, he had joy. And everybody in prison who, whose doors just opened up, they could get them went anywhere. They went down into the dungeon where the dude was that was singing. To say, man, I want what that guy's got. Because if I leave, I can have a lot of things. But I'll be missing the one thing I really need. What Paul's doing down there. So the Philippian jailer pulls out his sword. He's going to kill himself, right? And Paul shouts up, hey, we're all down here. So the Philippian jailer goes down there. So the whole prison gets saved. So Philippi, just so you know, Philippi was not full of the, the nice, charming people. Philippi was full of prisoners, tattoos, earrings, long hair, bushy beards. <laughs> Philippi was full of all these people. That was the church of Philippi. And on top of that, not only did they have the prisoners, they had the prison guards. They get saved. And all their household. And then they become a place where Rome is <laughs> focusing, at least in the, in the area of Philippi, focusing on their, on their uh, assault against Christianity. So those same prisoners who were in prison are now being thrown uh, before gladiators and having to defend themselves. And Paul says to those guys, those uncircumcised Gentile believers, he says, we are circumcision. Paul, who was a Jew of the Jews, he's going to call himself Hebrew of Hebrews. He says, you and me, Philippi, we're the same people. 
we're circumcised. I don't care what those people coming in and telling you, you have to do this, and you have to do this, and you have to do this. He said, I don't care what they say. They're dogs, evildoers, and mutilators. And they're trying to teach you to put confidence in your flesh. But over and over again, the Bible calls us to mortify your flesh. To crucify your flesh. To put no confidence in your flesh. Paul says, we are the circumcision. Who do what? Who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Every once in a while, I catch grief. Man, Jackie, you talk a lot about us being broken. What if you talk about us not being broken? How amazing we are. Well, I don't know. There's this thing in the Bible. Don't put any confidence in your flesh. I, the only confidence I got is in Christ. The only ability I have to be the man that I am or can continue to be is in Christ. If I ever turn my back on Christ, I'll be a dirtbag in 30 seconds. Because a dirtbag is what I am apart from Christ. It's Christ that makes me righteous. It's Christ that takes my brokenness and makes it whole. And it's only through pursuing Christ that I can maintain that. Otherwise, there's no way to do it. I remember Cindy, uh, our, uh, my pastor's wife, Cindy Hagerman, had cancer and she had died and went on to be with the Lord. And, and I'm a semi-rebellious person. And Cindy and I had this one thing in common. She used to tell Kathy, you know, you just got to love Jackie how he is. You're going to spend the rest of your life trying to change him into what you'd like him to be. How you'd like him to look, what you want him to wear. But he's just going to go against it over and over. You're in for a long life of misery. Or you could just learn to love him like he is. Isn't it cool that that's how God loves us? Well, when Cindy died, she went home to be with the Lord, and <clears throat> several of us pastors were asked to speak at her service, and they made me wear a suit. <laughs> so I thought, you've got to be kidding me. Cindy's funeral, the one thing Cindy would say is, tell Jackie wear whatever he wants. They made me wear a suit. So <clears throat> I pull up on the Harley, and I'm wearing a suit, which makes me feel stupid. You ever ride a Harley with a suit on? You just, I don't know why, you shouldn't. You know, anybody can do it any way they want, but I just feel dumb. And so I get off and I go inside and I, I kept walking up for my moment to speak for Cindy. And I, as I come up, I say, okay, so I'm wearing a suit today for all of you. But I'm wearing my biker boots for Cindy. Because I want to remember what she told me, that I can be who I am in Christ. And you can too. And I'm not going to tell you you got to cut this or cut that or do this or do that. I'm here to tell you that you can be who you are in Christ Jesus. You can be who you are. And if that's wearing a suit, praise the Lord. You're welcome here. And if it's not, if it's wearing flip-flops, praise the Lord. You're welcome here. If it's short hair, long hair, beard, no beard, I don't, who cares? You be who you are in Christ Jesus. Because He's the part that matters. 
It's how we are with Him and in Him and through Him. So Paul says, we... Now Paul, he's probably a pretty straight fella. And, and these guys in Philippi, they're probably pretty messed up. But Paul says, we're the circumcision. Which is like saying, we're Israel. We're Israel. You think about it. In John chapter 4, you guys remember John chapter 4? Jesus uh, decides he wants to take a detour through Samaria. He stops there. He meets a woman at the well. Everybody remember? The woman at the well there and says in John 4, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here. When true worshipers will worship the Father, how? In spirit and in truth. Do you not hear what he's saying? Right now, the woman, the woman at the well is asking him, well, well, you guys say we should worship like this, and they say you should worship like that, and, you know, we, we use drums and electric guitar, and you guys use organ and, and a piano and all these things. Which one's really doing it right? And Jesus tells her, Salvation is of the Jews. The temple is the temple in Jerusalem. But the day is coming and is here now when what God really wants is people who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. What did Paul just say to the Philippians? We are the circumcision who do what? Worship Him in spirit. It's all about Jesus. It's not about all that other stuff. It's all about Jesus. It's not about all the other things we want to hinge on or that we want to hang on or or that we want to say, man, it's all about worshiping Him. And this word for worship is interesting. This word for worship is the word letreu. If you know it, letreu is a word for serving Him. So the word letreu would have been the same word that would have been used whether you were, if you were hanging out with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, you guys remember? Whether you were Martha doing the dishes, or Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, Lutreu could be both. Because you can worship the Lord in, in what you do for Him. You can worship the Lord at His feet. You can worship the Lord in all of Everything we do is about Him. It's about pursuing Him. Look, it doesn't matter what job you do. It doesn't matter what your vocation is. The point is, you do that vocation, and you do it in a way that you're loving Christ in it. That's why you ought to be the best. You ought to be the, the, the most honest. That should be our goal, because Christ is working in us to will and to do. Christ is empowering me to be more than the broken man that I am. I don't want to use the excuse that I'm broken so I can just act broken. I'm broken so I need Christ to be whole. That's the point. I need Christ to do the, to, to walk the walk that I want to walk. Romans 2.28 says this, For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly. There's no such thing. He's saying, look, you're not just born a Jew. That's not how this works. A Jew is not one who is merely outward, nor is circumcision outward and physical. A Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is, listen, a matter of the heart. 
You're the only one who can answer the question, do you love the Lord or not? You're it. And by the way, it's the first and best commandment. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Loving God is what we're called to. We're, it's a circumcision of a matter of the heart, which is accomplished how? By the Spirit. How do you get the Spirit? By professing faith in Jesus Christ. By bowing the knee to Him as King. We receive His Spirit. And if you need the power of the Holy Spirit, because you're looking in life and you're saying, Man, I'm falling short, I'm falling short, and I, I don't seem to have the power to do the right thing. Just like Paul said in Romans chapter 7. And what do you do? Ask. And James, he says, you have not because you... Ask not. Stop asking for a new car, a new bike, a new thing, and ask God for more of the Spirit to empower you to be the man or woman God's calling you to be. Give me more of you. This is what circumcision is. Not who cares what's cut on the outside. It's a matter of what's cut on the inside. What is it in your heart? Have you, have you tossed away your desires of the flesh? The point that Paul says in Romans 2, 29, His praise is not from man, but from who? From God. So then what would Paul say? Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, Far be it then from me to boast about anything except in the cross of our Lord Jesus, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. This place is not my home. Uh, I'm more than happy to pass through anytime. This is not my home. This is not the ultimate end. My ultimate end is to be with Him. The world has been crucified to me. Uh, uh, several months ago now, we saw in the news how New York and Virginia put together this concept um, that I think is barbaric about uh, abortion all the way up until the birth of the child and after. So no longer does a birth of a living child guarantee uh, life for the child in those two states. Well, then following suit, Georgia comes up and says, you know what, we, we've got a deal, heartbeat. There's a heartbeat, no abortion. So I thought, well, that's cool. Some of the other states are going to stand up and say, we're not going that far. Now, if you ask me, I'd say that's not far enough, but it's something. And then all of Hollywood stood up and said, well, if you do that, we're not going to film in Georgia anymore. Walking Dead's filmed in Georgia. A lot of Netflix stuff is done in Georgia. So they stood up and said... They, they're the ones that stood up. I didn't tell them to. J.J. Um, Abrams stood up and said everything that comes in on the Star Wars movie he's going to use to fund Planned Parenthood. All these guys drew their lines. They could have just been quiet, but they weren't. The world's been crucified to me and I to the world. They drew the line. So a little while later, I joined the Red Petition. The red petition is a thing online you're welcome to do or not do. It's up to you. It's your life. You, you can live it any way you want. But on a red petition, I got on and I 
canceled all my subscriptions to all their deals. Because they made the, they drew the line, not me. They could just d- go about life. But they said, oh no, if you're going to allow a child to live after a heartbeat, uh, we're not going to film there anymore. So I'm not giving them money anymore. Now I know there's a lot of things. Maybe we would not be able to buy or sell anything in this world if we chose to stand with Christ and against the things that we believe are wrong. But you're going to have to stand sometime. Or one day you get to the end and everybody looks around and nobody looks any different. And I think the last numbers I saw, which I haven't looked for a week, but the last numbers I saw was around $300,000 so far that Netflix has lost as a result of, of what they said. But, you know, and that won't be enough. It's okay, you can answer it. That won't be enough for, uh, for making a big dent. But the point is, there has to be a point in our life where we make a delineation. I'm not telling you to make my battle your battle. That's between you and the Lord. If you can justify it, then then you justify it. At some point, we have to decide there's a distinction between us and them. The early church, there was a distinction between a believer and not believer. Even though Paul says, we are of the circumcision, even though Paul says, look, all these things are good, he says, I'm not going to boast in anything, and the, and the world's dead to me, and i got to watch myself, because sometimes there's parts of the world that I enjoy, that I hold on to, that cause me... To become complacent. And then I say, well, I don't want to stop doing that. I really enjoy that. I don't want to stop doing this. I don't want to stop doing that. Once upon a time, I said, I want, I came to Jesus Christ. I want my colors to be clear. What I mean by that is, one of the cool things about um, motorcycles, being being a biker, sometimes you you wear a vest that says who you are. That's the point of the vest. Who am I? It's supposed to tell things about me. What on the front and on the back, where I've been, what I'm about, who I am, and that's all cool and that's all great. But look, if people can't see the Jesus Christ the same way looking at me, then I need to think about what I'm showing. No. Because I want there to be distinction. Yeah, I'm with Christ. I'm with Him. Now, it's not, it can't always be what you do on the outside. Sometimes you got to let what's on the inside come out. No? you got to let that flow through you. So listen to what Paul says, Galatians 6.15. He says, Neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision. So what counts? A new creation. Yes, I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I new creation. I once thought this way. I once acted this way. I once did these things. Now I want to be new. I want to be new. I want that to come through. Not these things that we can do (coughs) on the outside. These other things that we can focus on. I don't want to put any confidence in my flesh, which means I want to walk in the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, to be a man who when he stands at a well and someone comes up for water, can say, 
do you know Jesus? Have you heard of him? Is there anything I can pray for you about? Can I share the most important thing in my life with you? If you got friends that don't know you're a believer, you don't love Jesus enough yet. Because when you love a person, you tell your friends about them. If you love Jesus, you want to talk. You want to tell them. You want to share it. You want to tell people what's going on, what's happening, what's going on in your heart and life. No confidence in the flesh. And Jeremiah 9.23 says, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me. You know Jesus. That's our boast. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love. That means he's faithful to you. Justice, righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Number one on the list. Know me. Know me. Boast that you know me. Galatians 3, 2 and 3. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish to think, having begun by the Spirit, are you now made complete, perfect in the flesh? Is it really about all those external ideas? Well, let's look back. Philippians chapter 3, verse 4. He says, Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. So now Paul's going to do this little boast. It's important to ride this boast all the way to its conclusion. He says, If anyone else thinks he has confidence in the flesh, I have more. You ever been in a bragging? Sitting in a circle, get in a bragging circle, start boasting. Pretty soon, who's got the biggest scar, longest scar, who almost died the most? Whatever, if whoever did one thing, somebody had to top it. No, you guys have never done that? You look to the man next to you, I guarantee he knows exactly what I'm talking about. So here goes Paul. I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, persecutor of the church, and as to righteousness under the law, blameless. So as he's running through this, he says, listen, I was in the in group. Those Judaizers who are are walking around, man, I was more in than any of them. I'm in. I have all the national credentials. Man, I was was it. I was circumcised on the eighth day. Why does he say on the eighth day? Well, because some people were circumcised on the 13th. The sons of Ishmael are circumcised on the 13th. The sons of Isaac... Israel circumcised on the eighth day. He's making a distinction. I'm not Ishmael. I'm Isaac. I'm I'm of that group. I have all the tribal credentials. I can account for my tribe. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin was a proud tribe. Benjamin, the thing they were most proud of is during the rebellion of Jeroboam, they stood with the family of David. They said, everybody else... Rise up, you have the division of the nations, Jeroboam and Rehoboam, maybe you remember. Well, they stood with uh, the tribe of David. They said, man, we're going we're gonna to follow Judah. It's Judah, we're with them. You have the ten lost tribes. That's called the ten northern tribes, they're not really lost. And the two tribes in the south, Judah and Benjamin. 
I'm of the tribe of Benjamin, man. <clears throat> First king of Israel, his name was Saul. What was Paul's name before he changed it? You don't think that family was proud? Man, we're, we're, I'm a Benjamite. I am not a Benjamite sandwich, just a Benjamite. He's of the tribe of Benjamin. His name was Saul. They're loyal to the household of David. He says, I have all the cultural credentials. He doesn't just say, I was a Jew. He says, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I'm more Hebrew than all of them. I am, I was at the peak, man. He's at the top. When all the leaders of the day wanted to find someone to do a special job, who'd they call on? They called on Paul. What else is he saying? Look, as a Hebrew of a Hebrew, he says, I'm not Hellenist. I'm not a Hellenist. I was, I'm not influenced by Greek culture. I'm pure Hebrew. Pure to pure to pure. Man, the ultimate. I have the ultimate credentials. What about his own dedication? That's what he says. He says in his own dedication, I was a Pharisee. The most knowledgeable group about the Word of God. The most honest, the most zealous for the law. And he says, I'm a Pharisee. The, the, the language, I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisee idea. It's a, it means that he's probably third generation. That means grandpa was a Pharisee, pop was a Pharisee, he's a Pharisee. He's, he is the Pharisee. Most knowledgeable. What's the evidence? He says, to zeal? I persecuted the church. And I bet if you asked him, he'd say, I still see their cold dead eyes looking back at me. What do you think was Paul's nightmare most of his life? You don't think he thought about all that stuff? Was I zealous? Man, if they wanted something done, they called me. It's like he's the godfather. He was the guy who got stuff done. Nobody else wanted to do it, but Paul was ready to do it. He persecuted the church. To what extent did he look at his own righteousness and holiness? He said, no one can even bring a charge against me. I'm blameless before the law. You couldn't charge me with anything. Blameless. Following the letter of the law. Providing the proper sacrifices at the proper time. Doing all the things that were required of the law. So what was his point in it all? Verse 7. But whatever things I gain. I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Listen to what he said. All that other stuff is not it. I was the top of the food chain. Looked at as the most righteous. Looked at as the most holy. Looked at as the guy who had it all together. Who, who had, his ticket was punched. All the check marks were checked. The guys in Philippi, they're from prison. But Paul says, we're the same. Because I'm a broken man before a holy God, just like you are, even though I did all that stuff. And all that stuff doesn't mean a thing. The only thing that matters is Christ. That's why Paul would say, I just teach Christ crucified, because that's where it's at. That's the focus. The place where our joy is anchored. 
The place where our energy is found. The place where we, the, the place where we tap in to become a new creation. It's all the same place. You can't get it from wearing what I wear or wearing what you wear. You can only get it by being you. And you get it by being you surrendered to Jesus Christ. You get it by being you bowing the knee before the King. Saying, it's all about you. You're my ultimate end, Lord. Because Paul's going to go on to say in chapter 3, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but one thing I do, I forget the things that lie behind me. All my accolades, all my accomplishments, all my stuff, I forget that. And I put my eyes on the real prize, Jesus Christ. And I move toward Him. And that's why Paul could be in the dungeon praising Jesus after being beaten and arrested. Because beaten and arrested is a subordinate end, not the ultimate end. The ultimate end is Christ Jesus. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day, this time that we can come before you. That we can honor you, Lord God. We want to praise your holy name, God. We want to glorify and magnify who you are. God, I pray that it would be our desire to make our colors clear. And the best way to make my colors clear, the best way for people to know what I'm about, is for me to open my mouth and tell them. There's no need for a secret agent. If I love you, Jesus, I want to tell people about you. If I love you, Jesus, I want people to know I love you. I want people to realize that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm not perfect, but I'm going to follow him. In the places where the world draws the line in the sand, I'm standing with Jesus. And if they don't like it, it doesn't really matter to me. I don't care. I'm standing with him. If everybody leaves, everybody crosses the line, everybody says, I'm done. God, may it not be that I would turn my back. Your spirit, just as Paul could pray, I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded, he is able to keep me. So I keep my knee bowed to follow you. I let go of all the baggage, the failures. The whole world is full of people who have failed, me and others. I spent all my time focused on that. I'm not focused on the prize. Those things are subordinate ends. Jesus Christ is the ultimate end. I put my eyes on Him. And I strive daily to be the man God wants me to be. And when I fail, I ask Him. For forgiveness, I repent of my action. I hold fast to the forgiveness that He gives me as I confess my sin to the Lord Jesus. And I put my eyes on the prize and I walk again. Proverbs says, a righteous man falls seven times in a day. 
and rises again. It's not about how pretty I can look or whatever things I think traditionally need to be what it is to be a real Christian. That's what the Judaizers thought. Paul called them dogs, evildoers, and mutilators. He said, don't put any confidence in the flesh. Crucify the flesh. Mortify your flesh. Put confidence in Christ. For he is able to do abundantly above all I can ask or imagine according to the power that works in me. So God, we put our eyes on you. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would carry us through. For you are able. Lord, as we close out and worship this glorious Father's Day and as people come forward uh, to be available for prayer, I pray, Lord, if there's anybody here struggling, need answers, need prayer, whatever things are coming uh, before in your life, Lord, I pray that you, you give them the humility it takes to come up and say, I need you to pray for me. And that we as a family of believers would be there for one another to say, I will pray for you. Let's pray. Lord, be glorified. Be magnified in the lives we live out before you as we give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Side. And as I 